us for what I'm really hoping won't be a too creatively disruptive interview. We'll see what we can disrupt. Welcome to the Civil Society Futures and Innovation Podcast from the International Civil Society Centre. I'm Vicky Tung, Programme Manager at the Centre. This is the second in a mini-series of discussions we're doing this month, looking ahead at what trends and ideas could drive further future innovation in the civil society sector. Sure, yeah, thank it's you. It's a really, really fun podcast. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Today, I'm chatting with Kiel Troisi, or his pseudonym, Jeff Woolburn. Kiel is the littlest member of the Yes Men, the renowned culture jamming group. We're going to talk about creative campaigning and new tools and tactics for civil society organisations. We use a range of creative tactics and often humor, actually almost always some humor uh, or fun, to basically amplify the campaigns or the specific messaging of a particular campaign from a nonprofit or NGO or civil society group. So it's always in partnership with a project or a group, an existing activist group who are already doing something, but they need... Um, kind of our unique set of tactics to kind of uh, kind of enhance and amplify their campaign at a really strategic moment, all through uh, kind of compelling media attention onto something that the media either isn't currently covering or they need to be covering in the frame of the campaign. Um, often they're covering an issue from kind of the opposition side of the mainstream media will cover that. So we kind of compel some media attention uh, that gets uh, like a specific messaging into uh, our specific messaging into the kind of media landscape and the public discourse sort of thing, but usually using humor and fun and sometimes trickery, but uh, yeah, always through some kind of emotional shock or surprise or humor uh, to initially um, get everyone paying attention. So I think um, this uh, this aspect of unique tactics and media attention is uh, is really interesting because that's really one key aspect of the innovation which we've been looking at in the report and how civil society organizations are using new tools and tactics. Um, I think you've, you're pretty open about um, yours. You publish them in your website so that they're available to others and you call them your cookbook or your box of tricks. But, you know, how, how have you had to adapt some of these tactics that are kind of tried and tested to these kind of new contexts of growing populism? And, you know, particularly in this very contested space for media attention, where I, I know you've, you've used fake news tactics before to kind of capture attention, but now there's actually much more other types of fake news around. So can you talk, tell us a bit about that and, you know, what is different now? Uh, the Yes Men originally started out with uh, a kind of set of tactics that used some trickery, usually like kind of posing as powerful corporations or governments to basically... Um, tell the truth really even though it takes the form sometimes of some trickery we're actually it's called identity correction is the kind of core originating tactic which kind of just poses as that entity and, and is more honest than they're willing to be than their existing PR teams are willing to be um, and usually that gets covered because it's also funny even though we are saying exactly what they ought to be saying or what they ought to be doing if they had more of a conscience or less of a, a concern about their uh, stock price or bottom line. And I think the core thing that that's that is that is true of our work in the past, but also remains true in this context, like this day and age, 
is that the fakery really isn't the point. And usually it's, sometimes there's no fakery really, or it's very short-lived. The main thing is through figuring out ways in that are kind of emotional, whether it's through humor or shock um, or just kind of humanity in a way that uh, usually these companies kind of get away with a lot of what they do by kind of being flat and impersonal. So it's finding a more human, personal uh, and like symbolic action that conveys everything about them. And I think that's comparable to the tactics or sort to the, to the context of growing populism and um, and also like news fakery in the sense that our opposition do know that people respond emotionally to things. And that's really what drives more than we wish, you know, more than we like to admit. Um, and so regardless of the actual tactics, some, some specific technical things are always shifting, you know, between uh, it used to be kind of there, there's a kind of set way that you could fool some of the traditional media, but now everything's very digital. So there's a whole different set of ways to engage, especially as like opposition are creating, you know, they have whole troll farms and uh, digital fakery teams. But there's really, even though it might seem overtly kind of similar, it's really not a comparison um, because the whole point of what we do is that it, is and usually very quickly exposed as fake that's what compels interest so we would never do something that actually remains fake that would actually miss the whole core point of it yeah i mean i think this point about what you call flat and impersonal i think some some civil society organizations could also be accused of of, <laughs> of that potentially in, in the ways that they communicate and I know the Yes Men's been working, you've been working in partnership now with a range of civil society organisations for, for around 20 years to really um, mm -hmm. look at this idea of how to develop more uh, creative campaigns on, on, a, on a broad range of topics. What guidance do you give um, organisations that you're working with now about how they're going to have to change their ways of communication, particularly in the kind of um, political context that we've been uh, mentioning? Yeah, I think a lot of groups we, we work with uh, need what we do because a lot of the traditional communications is very straightforward and at this point routine and so the effect of it can be diminished unless it just uses more creativity but more than creativity it's even just being more human and and emotional because I think traditionally a lot of well like core tenets of liberalism are these ideas that people make rational decisions based on thinking through issues and that if you just tell them about some terrible problem they'll change their thinking or their feeling about it or take some sort of action but i think more and more we're realizing or a lot of like at least the scientific world is kind of confirming that we're much more like little bundles of chemicals who just bounce around and then we actually make decisions more based on like storytelling in our in groups rather than uh kind of rational thought um, and so I think it's so the main thing for I think for an approach to make these groups who have traditionally used a little bit more like flat sort of messaging and campaign communications is to kind of almost help them accept this reality that people engage emotionally and through stories and through a story of a thing almost as much as well, even more so than thinking. So the idea of of coming up with these like kind of very heady or very like sometimes sometimes the 
the work they do is is really vital, especially like the organizing or the um, uh, like legal aid and all this sort of stuff is really vital. But they um, they kind of forget that there is an important side to like actually communicate what they're doing through in a, in a kind of much more much more direct and, and human way, and that these things can seem so epic and vast, um, but that also creates a kind of uh, almost like frozen apathy or you just can't, you know, you don't know what to do. Do you find with the civil society organisations that you work with that they that they find um, kind of engaging with storytelling around positive emotions is sometimes more challenging than some of the kind of calling out, um, calling out problems, which is what they're used to doing? Yeah, almost always, because they're working on these in- incredibly heavy and weighty and exhausting issues that are actually really dark. It can be really hard to remember that, for better or worse, we are we respond to to positivity and we respond to positive storytelling, even if the the positivity comes in the form of a fun way of critiquing something very serious or some company that's very that's very very doing something really bad. And that's part of a lot of what we do is taking the almost like performatively taking the position of a very bad actor or a company or an organization or a government actor. Um, but by embodying them in their full rhetoric, uh, it's a way of turning it to, the, to a kind of positive way by creating a dilemma that they have to respond to. Um, but yeah, I think it's I think it's one of the most important things that groups have a really hard time getting around but part of the part of the problem with the the pervasive like negative advertising or negative promotion of their campaigns that happens is that it either is you know sort of preaching to the choir like people who know this is a problem already know and they already care and they've either already given what they are going to give or they but more importantly i think they the negativity of it creates a kind of frozen inertia that makes it hard to act and so it's important to show like we can be active participants in this and we have to have hope for that and optimism um, that, that that things could be different and so a lot of the, so even when we pose as a company who are going to say they're suddenly going to reverse course and do the right thing that's a kind of staged hope that actually leads to a bit of genuine hope if only by positing how things could be and how they should be instead. And I think that that makes uh, a lot of people more interested in like staying in a fight or staying in a struggle or even just perceiving a campaign differently than if it's just all doom and gloom and just like depressing. It's we're so inundated with with stories that we can't we can't like assimilate at all. Um, but we do want to do something. And so I think it's important to like use the hopeful and and even ironically hopeful sometimes kind of tactics to which which ultimately i think turns more into action than the negative the negative tone yeah one of the in our work with on with um, civil society society organizations this year on narratives one of the other things that has come up is it's really they find it really difficult to use humor or see how they will use humor on some of these big weighty issues because it, it will seem like they're trivializing it i mean it'd be really good to to get your thoughts on i'm i'm sure you've heard this before as well when you've been working with others so you know how how do you how do you um, broach that with them when they have those fears 
Well, for one thing, uh, going about even really serious things with humor, at least for the for the people who are already in the room or already working on these issues, it can be really therapeutic in a way because everyone needs to laugh. So it can be energizing in a sense for for even the 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 people on the team um, to be suddenly not only dealing with the darkest aspects of it, Um, but also the uh, the value of of humor is is in that when we're dealing with the opposition or whatever forces or companies or entities the, the, the campaign is going up, is running up against, usually that we're critiquing their ideology and the way they're thinking. And by embodying it to such a degree, kind of like taking it to its logical, either, either its logical conclusion or, or its next logical next step, um, it, it helps us, us and the kind of audience for these things realize how truly absurd some of their ideology is. Um, so it's a kind of counter narrative to how a lot of uh, kind of villainous corporations or government actors present themselves. They actually get away with a lot by by um, kind of not fully conveying their, their, their actual reasoning. And so when we go into that and, and we take that to like an absurd level. And so we like go full bore into their real ideology. It actually becomes, it just highlights how completely absurd it is. It, it, there's something humorous about how crazy some of these things are. Um, and that, and so that's a way to like deal with the humor of something very, or find humor in something that's very serious. The International Civil Society Centre and Just Lab's new innovation report on how civil society is responding to populism is now available online at icscentre.org forward slash innovation report. Read it now for insights and inspiration. One of the other things we talk about um, in the report is both both creative campaigning tactics that different organisations are using, but also how organisations can communicate alternative visions of the future or alternative futures in in populist contexts. And you you already talked a bit about um, staging hope, which actually leads to real hope. What have you done in your own tactics that have brought in these kind of alternative futures um, that you've really seen engage members of the public? The the, the kind of utopian thinking or like hope-based actions that we do are actually they're kind of prefigurative in, in the sense that um, it can feel without the, the the way that things are in a lot of struggles feels hopeless and it feels overwhelming and we can't even imagine how things might be different and even though a lot of civil society organizations and activists are doing the organizing with the important base organizing work that needs to help us get to, to improving things um, a lot of people who are the audience here too, who, who who might be supportive of a campaign like this, need to kind of be shown and kind of demonstrate how things might be different um, by actually laying it out and collaboratively and communally doing so. Like we've created several f- sort of uh, special edition newspapers that we that we we call them special editions. So we did like a fake New York Times and a fake New York Post, and most recently we did a. Uh, Washington Post edition that was set a few months in the future that laid out the kind of entire narrative of if if President Trump were ousted from office um, and all the things that would we would need to, to get to that point 
And, you know, it, it created this, it's, it's a kind of call to action in a sense, because it, it is, it is in the kind of a playful toolbox for action of things that people can and should be joining in to do, but also at the same time, offering a vision of how great it will be when we win, which is something that a lot of campaigns don't, uh, don't think about kind of illuminating not only like the struggle and the, and the forces we're up against and how difficult it is and how horrible they are, but we actually need to, to demonstrate how amazing it'll be when victories are achieved. It's, it's kind of a, a core step to even being able to take action is to imagine not just, not just what we're up against and what we're butting up against and who we're resisting, but, but, but more positively, we want to be focused on like, what are our values and what, how, what's the world we are going to make regardless of these bad actors and despite them and after, and, you know, after we <laughs> uh, do more work to stop them. I'm sure you didn't get to these tactics. Um, I'm sure you didn't get there right the first time. And and um, I know you talk about having failed big time on your website and, you know, the, the importance of trial and error, experimentation, learning and iterating as you develop and test these new approaches is also something which comes out of um of our report, but that does also mean an ability to uh, accept and even acknowledge and welcome failure sometimes. So when you're working with civil society organisations uh, on these kind of experimental process and, and, and adaptive processes, how do you work with them to be able to accept and learn from the failure and see it see it as an opportunity rather than rather than something that just you know something some, something that means oh we that that just hasn't worked yeah definitely lots of lots of actions don't work exactly the way that we plot them out i think the main thing about going into one going into an action that we do is trying to design it as much as possible to not really be about the specific stated success point um so if we're going into it uh, creating a fake press conference or we're going to stage a some person, but if we, we want to design a project ideally where we learn from what's happened in the past. And the main thing we learn is that we at every point, even afterward, control the story of what had happened because it's never really about the the kind of initial performance of the action. The, that's always a means to getting our story out with our narrative into the press or into the the public imagination. And so I think the main thing is to is to always be remembering that that the, the pivoting based on whatever happens, however the the other actor the kind of uh, unwitting actors are, are part of this, whether it's people on the street or pe representatives of this company, real people, um, no matter what they do or even even the police, like if this if security or police react differently than we expect, it's always immediately thinking, well, how can we make the story be about our issue still in the way that it still went down. So a lot of failure actually is completely inevitable too, and, and we learn from those too. But also it's always about like, how can we still, how can even this failure convey the story? In the case of us doing a lot of like kind of silly fun stuff, sometimes the failure, the, the kind of outward failures are the most fun to watch or to, to experience. <laughs> Um, so some of the some of the funniest scenes in our films even are like the ones that just kind of flop and maybe hilariously so or awkwardly. <laughs> um, 
but there's always also because it because it is about how we tell the story of the thing and how we frame it uh, in the press or uh, kind of in the media. Um, there's always a kind of like vulnerability in in how the other side acts about what they do that we can always like pivot and shift to and say, okay, well they shut this down, and then how does that become the headline for what we did instead of the headline we had, you know, months earlier or weeks earlier imagined would be the headline. Well, now they reacted this way and we were kicked out and we had to do it over here or, or whatever the scenario is. Um, yeah, it's just like, how, how do we just rewrite the headline, but to st that would still be attention getting and still convey what we want to say, which is the core thing. And that's usually, usually the core thing is regardless of however our kind of invisible theater or whatever our performance or intervention is, how do we, how does the campaign message still get out in the way that we want it to? And there's always something, even in failure, that, that there's, always, there's usually a way that even in failure that can happen. So you're prepared for failure, but you're prepared in a way that you can pivot while you're still controlling the narrative and conveying the message that is the core of what you're trying to do. Yeah, because what we're trying to do is, is, isn't to trick people first. It's that, that's a kind of like performative kind of facade to it. It's really for the reveal, which is why did you do this stupid thing or this funny thing or why this shocking thing maybe. Um, it's always for the second part, which is the so-called reveal in of like what happened here, why did it happen? With a more traditional, say, like rally or a kind of activist intervention, traditionally, it tends to be either obvious or it's what why why it's being done or what they're there for. Oh, they're they're rallying out here, and or they're doing a die-in over here, or they're doing a flag drop over here, and here's what it says. Um, but in our case, it's, um, it creates that question mark of like, oh, what happened over here? And that might be, they did this amazing intervention that got, that was hilarious and it went exactly as planned, or it might be, oh, they got kicked out of this thing. But still the second part always remains the same, which is why this is why it happened. And this is why you should pay attention to X, Y, Z group and what they're doing about this thing. Um, usually with like a kind of action that someone who, who hears about it or reads about it could, could take. Um, but yeah, the pivoting, just in case. I mean, often, you know, sometimes sometimes the failure comes in the form of uh, a success, but it doesn't provoke enough of a response from the kind of the company or the government actor we're kind of provoking. And so we have to provide the response ourselves. Like often, <laughs> I think I think the idea is to create a dilemma where actually we really do want them to do something silly or dumb in response. And if that fails to happen, that's actually worse. So, so, so honestly, we're kind of designing things not to fail, but to be um, poorly responded to. And if they don't, sometimes we have to provide that too. <laughs> so um, that might mean calling security ourselves or, <laughs> or sending out a, another, uh, uh, sending out a, uh, some statement from the company denouncing this activist hoax. Um, that kind of stuff is often the actual interesting side to it, even building on other steps to an action, even if the initial thing doesn't. So there can always be, um, yeah, so there can always be like, it can, can be adjusted by just adding on to it and making it more bizarre or confusing or just, just continuing trying to, to, to provoke a response from the, the, the entities we're criticizing. I like that. It's like the the advice that politicians don't actually answer the question that they were asked, but the question that they were wanted to be asked. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
So talking of reveals, um, what is the Yes Men, what can we expect from you in the future? Uh, and do you have any kind of final thoughts for the civil society, what we're calling movers and shakers, who, who will be listening to this podcast? Just encouraging groups to to realize that we really do need to communicate their work in, in a way that's accessible and human and emotional, even if those emotions are shock and disgust or or laughter, because those are those are really the things that stick with us rather than like one line sound, sound bites or campaign messages. We don't remember that stuff, but um, we do remember an image of something eye popping or we remember that, oh, I don't, I don't remember exactly all the details, but I remember that this guy went on and TV and, and then posed as Dow and did something where it, um, it just sticks. It's kind of, it's a way of kind of controlling the narrative, but from the point of view of people, of people where they're at, which is, uh, you know, just a very emotional human beings with bad memories. <laughs> um, uh, so I guess I would encourage more thinking in that lines of being more bold about uh, engaging the public as we are as humans as opposed to how we wish we all were in a kind of idealized way or op uh, kind of like over optimistic sense um yeah so being and that, that translates to being more creative and being more bold remembering that like most of these most of these forces we're up against even populist forces who use a lot of the same vulnerabilities in the human psyche they use they use emotions too, and they're so effective that way. But but they use a lot of fear. Like they, they engage, they tend to uh, populists, right? Populists, especially leaders, tend to engage uh, our fear centers in a highly effective way. Um, which is why it's also important that we just don't leave that behind. Civil society groups, when they communicate about their work they do, have to engage that same part of the psyche. Except instead of fear, it needs to be it needs to be hope or humor or optimism which which are the kind of deep emotions that actually translate to remembering and keeping it with you in your brain and then as a result more action taken um yeah so so we're continuing doing that sort of stuff uh um, working with a bunch of groups to do the same exact thing and and, and i think it, with 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 the work that we do it's important to remember especially because a lot of uh Civil society groups should should remember that like what what we're talking about is specifically how we communicate what they're doing in the media. I think there are a lot of contexts where some of the most important work may not be these tactics. There, it, the most important work is 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 often with these groups already being done, and that's that's important. But they often could do with more support or attention about the work they do, and or more valuing of it by 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 people. So that. Um, because I think a lot of a lot of their opponents try to devalue the work they do. And so the communications bit of that, which we do, trying to amplify their work in a positive way, is actually part of how they can continue doing that work, I think. Great. So um, you have our attention. How can we keep in touch with what you will be doing next? Um, you can go to the yesman.org. Um, the website has a lot of the projects we're doing and a lot of upcoming things and some background. We're in the process now of revamping the website because the yes men was a phrase that we used from from the saying, uh, the kind of 
way to describe people who just follow orders without questioning them. But we're also rebranding the website to be the yes people soon because we all, <laughs> we also have women and not everyone understands where the name originates from. Uh, but yeah, so for now you can check out the yesmen.org and uh, you, there's also a way to sign up and get involved if uh, anyone's interested in getting notified when we do actions in their neck of the woods. to Kiel Troisi from the Yes Men. You can have a look at the Yes Men online at theyesmen.org. Until next time, 